0: Welcome to a series of netcasts brought to you by Yale University. You are listening to On the Environment, a podcast series from the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. For more information, visit the website at envirocenter.yale.edu.
1: Hello, thanks for joining me. My name is Josh Galperin, and I'm the Associate Director of the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy. And I'm on the phone today with Kevin Poland, Kevin is a farmer in Brooklyn, Maine, where he's run the Poland Family Farm since 1978, Uh, and he's been farming, I think, since 1970. The farm is a diverse operation, selling certified organic berries, vegetables, and flowers, herbs and brush, as well as pastured pork, beef, and eggs. Kevin has also spent over a decade in public service as chair of the school board, planning board, and town select board at various times. Uh, and Kevin has recently found himself in the middle of a local fight that has national implications, which is why we have him on the phone today. Over the past decade, there's been a groundswell of support for a trend that's variously called the New Food Movement, the Local Food Movement, the Real Food Movement, uh, among its many names. And broadly speaking, this is an effort to encourage the production and consumption of food on a smaller scale. A large portion of this movement has been aimed at changing consumer expectations and habits, creating demand for more local farm products with lower environmental impacts. Another piece of the movement has been to encourage diverse local production. And that side of the effort has often focused on changing the regulatory landscape to reduce the burden on small farmers. But changing food regulation is not just about an economic and social debate. It's also a health debate. And this is where Kevin comes in. Kevin has made headlines lately because he opposes exempting small farmers from food safety regulations, and some of his neighbors feel differently about this position. So, Kevin, thank you for being here.
0: Oh, thank you for having me.
1: Now, I want to talk more about the local and state laws that are at issue here and also about the the backlash that you've personally felt uh, because of your position, but I want to start with something simpler that you and I have talked about in the past, packaged pork. So you became a central figure in this debate because of a single package of work, and can you sort of explain where that comes from?
0: Well, um, at the time, we belonged as a vendor to an online food sales operation that's based in a neighboring town, and one of the other vendors was selling a processed meat product, breakfast sausage specifically, made with a different breed of pig than we raise, and I wanted to see if the texture or taste was any different from ours. Um, A co-worker ordered and purchased it, but when they delivered it to me, they mentioned that I may not want to eat it as there were no ingredients listed on the package, not even what kind of animal it was. Uh, Since I was then having an ongoing conversation with the State Licensing Bureau because we were thinking of changing slaughterhouses, I asked them how this could be, you know, no ingredients, no safe handling information, only the name of the farm. With his address, etc. Uh, my emails to them were brought to light when the Dan Brown uh, legal team uh, filed a Freedom of Information request. And although my emails concerning this had nothing to do with Dan Brown, it was bundled into the lot. Um, in the end, it turned out that the slaughterhouse probably missed putting a label on it, but still, it should not have been sold. And, um, and even the overseer of that farm at the time, Elliot Coleman, agreed with me that it should not have been sold, although he now tries to deny that. But um, so that's really how it all started.
1: So a package of pork that has may not even be a package of pork. And, um, you know, my understanding is that state and federal law prohibit the sale of unlabeled meat products. But um, in, in Maine, where you're from, some towns, including yours are trying to actually exempt themselves from this kind of state or federal regulation. So, um, a- a- the idea being that if that the federal regulation should apply to some farmers and not to others. Um, what's your position on this?
0: Well, I think that what their, um, their whole premise is, is that if somebody buys from you face-to-face in public that they shouldn't have to be licensed, inspected, and or in the case of dairy products, tested, because it's a direct sale, and that somehow by disregarding biology, that can make even uh, contaminated food safe. Um, Most people who purchase at farmer's markets uh, either online or or from a home delivery type service have no idea what conditions are like at your farm. Uh, People come up to me all the time at the farmer's markets saying that they have been to some of these proponents' farms and would never buy products after seeing the conditions there. Um, Basically, I consider it fraudulent, um, because what they're asking to be done is to sell something. They're saying that they're going to sell something to somebody face-to-face, but the people don't know what it is that they're actually buying. You know, this case of the meat that was, you know, not labeled at all, know is a is sort of proof positive of it you know and they seem to have rallied around this that somehow it's buyer beware um and i don't agree with that and i think the public doesn't agree with buyer beware when they're going to buy food
1: yeah and I, so i'm gonna let a little bit of my personal bias into the question here but but i agree with you and i'm i also sometimes think to myself that there's you know, there's a real difference between sort of exempting, completely exempting folks from all regulations and creating different standards that apply differently depending on the scale of a farm and sort of the range of uh, where it sells its products. So what's, what do you think about having, as opposed to no standards, different standards for different scales of farms, and is that part of the discussion in Maine right now?
0: Well, the, the truth is that there already are different standards, and the term that gets thrown out around here a lot is called scale appropriate, but I really don't think that the people who have gotten ill around here, and I hear of more every day, concerning um, you know consuming contaminated milk and byproducts of milk being handled improperly, they really care about that term. You know what they want is they want safe food. Um, you know most food the you know, most most farmers you know know what it takes to do safe food. You know this is not most farmers that are pushing for this thing. This seems to be a select group. and um, you know they try to confuse the public by you know alluding to agribusiness like Monsanto or people being against raw milk to avoid the issue of safe handling and testing of milk and milk products. Maine is very fortunate that you can still buy. Raw milk and raw milk products in some states it is illegal, and contamination no has scale has no scale appropriateness, and neither does bacteria. So I think most people want safe food.
1: Great, and 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 we all eat, so this is an issue that's you know that, that affects everybody. Uh, it, it I take it affects you differently because you and many of your neighbors, it's not just about you know your personal relationships, but about your business and. Um, and that can make things very personal. So you've seen a backlash from the positions you've taken. Um, obviously, that's had a, some some impact on your time because you end up on radio calls like this. Um, has it affected your business?
0: Yeah, I think that um, you know what happened with me was there was a local online food sales business in our area that, and they actually were extorted by five other farms who told them that they would no longer sell their products through them if that business um, which is called Farm Drop uh, allowed us to continue to be vendors so we were a pretty big vendor through them um, after they dropped us from selling through them you know they had to buy pork products from other parts of the state because there was nobody that was selling you know, the amount of pork that we sold so you know, obviously it had an effect on our business Um, You know, we lost a venue for some of our products, and also um, Elliot Coleman tried unsuccessfully, I might add, to get us removed from a farmer's market in Brooksville, Maine, and uh, according to customers of mine, you know, he has lost their respect and also some of their business because of their actions, so, you know, it's definitely affected my business. There's no question about that.
1: And how about the sort of the personal relationships? Is this, has this got interfered in any way? Is sort of your friendships, your relationships with your neighbors beyond business?
0: Well, I think that with some of them, you know, the people that actually know me that have, you know, either done business with me or, um, you know, I mean, I've been in this area for quite a long time. Um, you know, they're, they're not bothered. They, what they're afraid of. which a lot of people are afraid of, you know, they've seen what this group has done to our business, and they don't want to have the same thing happen to theirs. So, you know, they will approach me, you know, and say, you know, please keep up the fight, Um, you know, keep this stuff out in the public, just don't mention our names, please. Um, Which, in a way, you know, I mean, it affects your personal relationship because, you know, you can't use their names in something I you know what I encourage people to do is to speak out you know but not everybody was meant to speak out on issues
1: and in northern New England I know that um politics are are a little different than they are in the rest of the country but I wonder um you know does this break down along sort of traditional party lines in any way do you find that that this is that people are sort of going at each other um with with other political positions in mind or is this really something that's sort of separate unto itself when you find strange alliances?
0: Well, I think that it is strange bedfellows here. You know, I mean, I've heard people say to me that they think that this movement is based in either libertarian and or it's, you know, based on, you know, some sort of Christian, you know, right-wing, you know, Christian uh, theories. But, you know, to that, I have to say that I just sort of take a line from Lloyd Benson, when he was talking to Dan Quayle, that you know I mean I know Christians, and you know these people are not Christians, you know Christians are not dishonest and practiced at the art of deception like these people are it's It's interesting that some of them almost seem like they're taking their cue from Carl Rove, you know some of the 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 horrible things that he has done in the past to people, so I don't think that it's um. I really don't think that it's based on politics. I think it just seems to be some sort of belief by some people, you know. And, again, you know, they try to keep confusing the issue, you know, by bringing in different things and by not addressing the fact of food safety. And so, you know, people hear the word Monsanto. They hear people are being against raw milk. and. You know, none of that plays into this at all. People are not against raw milk. I mean, I used, we used to have a milk cow that we had for our family, you know, and we drank raw milk all the time, and I still buy, you know, raw milk from a trusted dairy that I know that's licensed and inspected and tested. But, um, you know, they, so they just keep trying to throw these things out that that have no basis, and it confuses people. And people just, you know, they were able to work on the governor of maine because he's you know anti-regulation and pro-business and they tried to use him to get this you know push their ideas forward and even he didn't buy it in the end you know he's just like well you know you really can't be out at farmers markets you know selling something to the public that the public expects and has a right to expect and assumes that it's you know licensed and tested you know, especially with dairy products. So he didn't buy it. Um, you know, I, I don't imagine they're going to stop. They probably will keep going, but you know, that's that's them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I, I want to figure out a little bit more about who these people are. I guess I have, two-part question for that. So, first is, all, uh, this movement that you're that you're trying to push back against. Are these folks people who have been in the community for a long time, or, or are they newcomers? And do you know, are they well-funded? And if so, you know who's supporting them? Where are they getting their money from, if you know?
0: Well, I think some of them have been in the community for a while, um, you know, not as long as we've been here. But, um, you know, and some of them are just newcomers. Um, I was actually talking to a logging friend of mine, and You know, he said, well, he says, you know, they really ought to have a law that, you know, you ought to be allowed to come to the state of Maine. But as soon as you cause trouble, you ought to get the hell out. And, you know, some of these people, that's the way people feel is that, you know, they ought to leave because that's all they're doing is causing trouble. You know, you want to have people that actually add to your society, not subtract from it. And a bunch of these really are like that. You look at what they're you know, what they're trying to do and it's basically self centered and it's basically self preservation. You know, they wanna be able to keep selling their products but they don't want to abide by the laws and um, you know, it's just it's mostly self centered. I, I consider it probably some of the worst worst parts of the me generation that we talk about.
1: Mm. So these guys are mostly uh, other farmers. They're not sort of separate interest groups that have come down from or come up from New York City or wherever else.
0: I haven't seen anybody coming up from New York City or so. I don't know, you know, who funds part of what it is that they do. You know, some of them obviously are what we call around here trustafarians. <laughs> you know, they're young people that have moved here that are trust funders. Um, you know, so they don't really have to worry about making a living. Uh, but they, you know, they have money on their own behind them.
1: The, the um, I, I want to go back to something you were talking about earlier, that some of the philosophy of this movement is that if folks know their farmers, uh, they know where their food's coming from, that will make things somehow safer. Uh, I know that down East Maine is a lot of the the business there, and maybe I'm overestimating this, is is tourist business. So it's people who come and go um, throughout the year maybe don't actually get to know their farmers that well. Am I judging that right? I mean, is a lot of your business tourists, or is it it really a lot of local buyers too?
0: I would probably say that 75% of all the business at Farmer's Market is tourist-based and also in the stores. Now, in the stores... You know, these people can't sell in the stores anyways because they they don't have licenses. You know, they're not, you know, in the even the like the co-op in town, uh, which they tried to get me kicked out of, even though probably 35 years ago I was not one of the founding members, but I was there shortly after that and ran the co-op for a number of years out of my living room. Um, you know, any legitimate business is not going to have, you know, unlicensed products in there because, you know, the state would come and shut them down. Um, You know, so that's why I say that it's sort of a fraud, you know, upon the public because, you know, to say that, you know, it's face-to-face, well, yeah, I mean, that's like going in a store and it's face-to-face. But people don't know, you know, what your farming practices are face-to-face out at the farmer's market. And we have people that... You know, they land here from all over. I mean, the Australians and Minnesota, you know, all over America come to this beautiful part of Maine. And they don't have a clue. And they assume that what you're selling, you know, has been, you know, licensed, inspected, or tested. And so all of the farmer's markets, you know, if you belong to a farmer's market, then you're required to show your license if you're going to be selling, you know, milk products and you you know, have to show that you're licensed and inspected and tested. And the testing that they have, you know, for dairy products in Maine is so minimal compared to some states, and it's so easy to get licensed. You you, know, you talk to any of these small license, small dairies, and they would say the same thing, that they're very happy to be licensed, you know, they want to be licensed, they want to be able to be able to put out to the public a product that they feel confident in. Um, and, you know, this sort of trying to circumvent that. And I talked to um, Mark McAfee, who is one of the largest, or, well, I guess he's the largest organic milk um, producer in the United States. And, you know, he was telling me that this whole food sovereignty movement is going to be the death of the local food movements because people are going to get sick. They already are getting sick around here and you know that's what's happened in a lot of states where you know people have gotten sick from dairy products and so then they've shut it down so that there's no raw milk products available and none of us want that you know we all want to be able to still have a choice in what we eat but there's a difference between having a choice in what you eat and having food safe and that's what the whole you know um concept is is to have food as safe as possible
1: Yeah, and so you're predicting a little bit what what might happen what could happen uh in a bad way here so i want to sort of ask you to look into your crystal ball i you've been farming for nearly half a century and i, I think have spent a decade in various political positions so so here's where i'm asking for you to as the last question to look into your crystal ball and tell me uh where do you think all of this might end up
0: Well, I don't expect these people to stop. You know, I think that, you know, I'm glad that the public is just now becoming aware of what's been going on in the state legislature. You know, for all the talk that the state does of transparency, you know, it's still mostly backroom dealings. You know, I only found out about these recent bills that they tried to get passed, you know, because somebody notified me of that, um, you know, and, and sort of, you know, went on board and, you know, tried to talk to, you know, some of the legislators, but, you know, basically, you know, the legislators' work on the squeaky wheel gets the grease, you know, and the more that these people kept coming to them, you know, the more they just kept doing it. The legislature made no effort to really find out, you know, how these bills would affect people, you know, the the general public. They made no effort to, you know, talk to the Maine Milk Association or the Maine Cheese Guild, you know, which, you know, if, if there's something wrong with the, the way that we are doing things now, then why are there so many people that are getting licensed to be able to sell raw milk and getting licensed to be able to do cheese and stuff? So what we're doing works. It doesn't work for these proponents, and it never will work for these proponents because they have no intention, you know, of abiding by any kind of laws. They have no intention, you know, of making sure that their food is safe. And, you know, so I don't expect them to go away. I just expect it now that it's being brought out more in the public, that the public is is seeing what's going on. And that's what the public is telling me, you know, when they come to farmers' markets and stuff. They're just like they shake their heads, and they can't understand, you know, how people could think that not testing milk products makes things safer, you know. I mean, it's just it's just bizarre. Well, so I don't think that it's going to change. I think, you know, some people ask me, do you think it'll get worse before it gets better? You know, it's hard to tell. Sometimes things have to really bottom out. You know, it's sort of bottomed out, you know, for our farm. And I'm sure that, you know, the fear that they have instilled in some of the other farms around here so people won't talk you know, I, I would hope that, that it's bottomed out and that there is, you know, people grow up if you you know I hate to say it like that, but it really seems like the businesses that I talk to, you know, they all look at me and they say, What is the matter with these people? You know, let's be adults here. You know, there are rules and regulations, you know, I have to buy by them by running a business. You know, I need to make sure that the food that I'm selling, you know, comes from a you know a clean place you know and the way that you do that is by having a license you know there's no big whoop but these people you know absolutely refuse to you know that most of them you know are already breaking the law they're not going to you know all of a sudden come around and abide by the law
1: well it sounds like you've got a a fight ahead of you but I hope it is and remains to be a, a grown up one so Kevin thank you very much for joining us
0: All right, thank you Josh
1: The views and opinions expressed by the
0: interviewers and interviewees as part of On the Environment do not necessarily reflect the views of the Yale Center for Environmental Law and Policy, its affiliated faculty, staff, or supporters.